here I was a professional tennis player earning all this money, number two in the world, doing commercials. You know, people are applauding me everywhere I go. And then I'm injured. You know, it's a career-ending injury, seven shoulder surgeries. And I know in my heart, God was blessing me. Former pro tennis player Andrea Yeager. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. In 1981, at the age of 16, Andrea Yeager was ranked number two in the world among professional women tennis players. But at age 19, a shoulder injury ended her five-year professional tennis career. Within two years, however, Andrea Yeager had launched her second career as an advocate for children with life-threatening illnesses. I met her almost 20 years later when she'd written a book called First Service, which told the story of how her faith in God inspired her and changed her life and the lives of many children. So here now from 2004, Andrea Yeager. Now, you did not grow up, though, in a household where that was very Christian and God-centered. And, no, and... no. And uh, my parents didn't either. And so therefore, they, they didn't pass that down. And and I went through life and loved playing professional tennis. I turned pro at 14, mm-hmm. was traveling the world. I mean, my whole education was, you know, the kids in history and the kids in, in class were reading about places I was visiting at 10 years of age. I was playing for my country in Australia at 10. I went to South Africa and Europe. And so the experiences were were something that just, I mean, so tremendous. I mean, it was just something really great. And then there was a player, um, Wendy Turnbull, who played on the tennis mm-hmm. circuit, and she took me to church, first person ever in my life. And I was a teenager at the French Open, and she took me to church. And, and I'd always been hungry to learn more about God, and, and I'd always been praying. But when you walk in and you, you feel that mm-hmm. presence and you feel um, all of that love surrounding you, I, I knew that there was something very special that it would carry um, into the rest of my life. Well, as I'm reading your book, I'm thinking, well, all right, that may have been your first experience in a church, but right. certainly it was not your first introduction to God. No, no, it wasn't. I, I've had um, I've had some real miraculous situations where it's, yeah, I don't know. Everyone keeps saying, well, you know, why'd you go to the children's hospital? And it's the same question now. Well, how'd you know to start praying? If mm-hmm. your parents didn't teach you, if no one taught you, and and you know, there's that, that seed, that mustard seed of faith that gets placed in everybody's life. And I had that, and, and I prayed, and, and God, when I was a child, gave me, you know, information and gave me this communication system where, okay, you will be helping children. You're called to help children. And it stayed with me, and it kept growing and growing. And the more I got around helping children, the more I realized this is how I can serve him. This is how he wants me mm-hmm. to serve. There's a difference about serving and, and helping and, and knowing that you're lined up in the right way. And so, you know, I, I'm like anyone else. You get off course and you fall down and, mm-hmm. and you do all kinds of things. You're like, oh, yeah, that's what you wanted me to do. Now I get it. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'm, I, there are people who would be confused by the fact that he's leading you in the direction of children's, you know, uh, children's hospital, children working with children right. with cancer, but also is giving you this tremendous athletic ability that will make you a superstar before you're 20, you know, it, it just it, it, to some people this would be a very confusing, very mind-boggling. It, it was interesting because here I was a professional tennis player, earning all this money, number two in the world, doing commercials. You know, people are applauding me everywhere I go, and then I'm injured, and you know, it's a career-ending injury, seven shoulder surgeries, and I know in my heart. God was blessing me. And it's not the traditional way you would think a professional athlete would look at something or a teenager, you know, being taken away from that environment that kind of spoiled, um, more self-centered environment. And for me, I knew it was, 
it was he gave me that time. I was thankful for it. I met some incredible people on the circuit, um, just from all the different walks of life. You know, traveling the world, and then all of a sudden, I, I get to help kids full time. So I didn't realize the whole journey about the foundation and you know how I'd put all my money into helping the kids. But you know, each step got me closer. Now, something else that occurred to me, and I'm, you address this kind of obliquely in your book, which is that, <laughs> well, I, athletic pro- professional sports in general and tennis in particular don't always seem to lend themselves to good Christian uh, fundamental, you know, kind of, you know, be kind to the neighbor. You want to crush your neighbor. I mean, you're, 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 looking, you're looking to just, I mean, and, and you talk, uh, the reason I say obliquely is because you do make reference at one point there was somebody you were playing who I don't think you even named in the book who began crying while right. you were in the match. And your instinct, probably as a Christian, as somebody, a child of God, is to go over there, comfort this girl, right. help her out, be on her side. But the other half of you are saying, if I do that, I'm going to lose thousands of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it was – there's actually times it was traumatic for me because I'd be playing people and everything was so focused. Everyone was so focused on, you know, you have to be number one in the world. You have to be the best. You have to do – and that just wasn't what was in my spirit. My spirit was like – okay, how can I do something for someone? And yet I was competitive and training so hard and very disciplined and came from my parents um, were incredible uh, people in teaching discipline and morals and values in the way that they knew. And yet, you know, God hadn't touched upon them like, oh, well, wait a minute, this is this is really important. You know, she needs to know this. And they were trying so hard and they just, you know, went out and wanted me to be, um, you know, the greatest tennis player so it could have all the opportunities later in life. And I was more about, well... You know, the, the money part, that's great and all, but, you know, I, I like giving. I like kindness. I like joy. <laughs> but then you see me question a line call, and you're like, wait a minute. She doesn't know the thing about being a Christian. <laughs> well, well it, it, you know, I mean, you, you can win and still be a Christian. You right. Know? It's just it, – it, but you don't have to crush somebody into right. the ground to be a- – It's – for me, it was a dilemma. I mean – It took me a long time. And that's why I think I was relieved in one sense where I had this injury and I did. I loved competing and I was very good at it. And, you know, you're two in the world. You beat Billie Jean King Center Court at Wimbledon (laughs) in the semis. You accomplish these things. You can't get those things without, you know, at least working hard. Mm -hmm. But I I just know God gave me the, you know, that those opportunities. But I, I didn't enjoy. And that's the thing that was so funny. Any player that was nice to me, it was harder for me to play against. If somebody was just, you know, not very, um, I don't know, they just tried to be hurtful. If or, somebody called you a name in German. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then it's like, well, wait a minute. Now you're not going to win. You know, that's just the easiest way to get me irritated. <laughs> so. And you knew that you had the ability if you wanted, if you really wanted. If I could, yes, yeah. absolutely. So it's. It is interesting. In team sports, you have that whole team atmosphere, and you have everybody supporting each other. And in tennis, you don't have that environment. And mm-hmm. I and I never have been you know lonely a day in my life. I was never lonely on the circuit, but there was still something that to fight so hard just to beat someone. I didn't feel like I was doing great things for society. I didn't feel like I was making the world a better and brighter place. And yet. I was I was happy to do it, but I didn't want to do it my whole life. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, okay, great, we'll do it now and then see what happens. So the injury actually propelled me into helping kids um, mm-hmm. at a time when, you know, obviously God knew I was ready. Now, as a professional tennis player, they measure your success by how many tournaments you win, <laughs> how many dollars you – when you're working with sick children, how do you measure your success? In the first group that ever came out, the, the group of kids from Chicago that came to Aspen for the Silver Lining Foundation – I sat there watching them walk off the plane, and 
I said, you know what, there's no amount of Wimbledon trophies that can ever compare to, and I hadn't even, you know, greeted them yet. I hadn't you know, welcomed them in the door. They just were walking off the plane. And it's been like that every single day. There's there's something that, and maybe it's, you know, I haven't had children on my own, but maybe it's like when a parent holds her, their baby for the first time when they're born. That's what it's like every time because we work so hard to fundraise. I mean, it's all my proceeds from writing the book are going to children's charities. And But you work so hard to bring these kids some light, some joy and fun and laughter. And it can't even be compared. You know, you can't compare it to a materialistic gain or um, a ranking sheet. And and it's been fun because I've surrounded myself with people that feel the same way. Or my The vice president of Silver Lining Foundation, uh, Heidi Bookout, she didn't have, you know, training in pediatric oncology. But what she did have is also the love of God and the, the ability to give purely and wanting to commit because it is a commitment. You start a children's foundation, you know, you don't start it for a few hours and say, hey, I'm mm-hmm. going to do something else. I'm going to, you know, take a cruise around the world now for a few years. You you do it with compassion. You do it um, fully and you commit. I mean, this is a life commitment. Do you, do you find people who are a little surprised that you are this committed, that, that maybe maybe they assumed that you were just another celebrity who lent your cause to a, <laughs> your, your name to a cause, cause and then you're off in your jet to the next thing? It's It's been interesting. I mean, fundraising, I always say, I don't know why they put fun at the beginning of fundraising. <laughs> but uh, you know, John Macron was the first person who donated and I knew him very little on the circuit and I talked to him later when I was starting the foundation and and so often people say this that when we talk about it they just they see and they hear the love and the passion for the children and that's and so after they talk to me or they visit the ranch or they see me around the kids they they understand it but at at the beginning it was hard i mean players a few players told me you know why are you hoping those kids are going to die anyway you know why give away your money you can never work again and it, it's um when you see one child, when you've made a difference to one child, even if they've just smiled for that moment, you know, one person can make an, a difference. And that's what I, I've written about in the book. One one person can change the life and change the course of another person. And that affects everyone because we're all connected in one way. And if you, you know, if you walk around with bitterness or hatred or anger, um, that will get projected on someone. If you mm-hmm. walk with joy and forgiveness and love, you know, that is something that teaches as well. And... You know, it's. I just try to do what I can, and, and what happens is God realizes that, and he sent people to help. I mean, in the book I talk about, you know, Paul Newman, Cindy Crawford, Kevin mm-hmm. Costner. I didn't know these people. You know, it's not <laughs> like, oh, I'm a, hey, I was two in the world. Come help me. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> it worked because the the intentions of their efforts and our efforts um, were real and f- were for the children. And, and also you just, you can't give up. I mean, I've had so many thousands. I've realized that there's thousands of no's that could be part of the equation of getting that one yes. And so that's what the journey's about. You, if you believe, you know, believe. You know, step mm-hmm. out in faith and, and go on that journey. Do people actually say no to you? Oh, yeah. yes. I How told, them, I no told to the postmaster and asked him, I'm like, look, if you don't start delivering my mail, and he, because <laughs> we weren't getting any donations for the first five years, we got like one. And I kept saying, you know, look, it's your fault. You know, why aren't you delivering my mail? I know I'm new here, but it's, um, you know, it's hard. I mean, we have some people that you are very, very tight income and they'll, they'll find a dollar to send. They'll find $10 to send. And it's because, you know, some people aren't taught to give. Some people don't realize that. I mean, there's no one on the tennis circuit that's probably saying, look, you have to do this. Mm -hmm. 
but what does your heart tell you to do? Mm-hmm. And um, and if you can, great. And if you know, and that's what's great about the book. I mean, someone's buying this book, and it's helping. We've already helped kids in Africa. We've helped kids in hospitals around the country. We've helped um, children that that need to know that someone out there cares. And 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 that's what it's. We're all brought together to do that to protect and support and help children. Andrea Yeager is 55 now. Two years after our interview, Andrea Yeager became Sister Andrea. She's a member of the Episcopal Church's Anglican Order of Preachers. Would you do me a favor? If you like today's episode of Now I've Heard Everything, would you tell a friend? We post new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and we're on all major podcast platforms. And thanks for listening. Well, you may have heard in the news recently that the NFL's Washington Redskins are going to be changing their name after 87 years. So I thought this might be an appropriate time to revisit my 2011 interview with one of the greatest former Redskins, former middle linebacker Sam Huff. Football is a violent game. It's war without guns. It's a wrestling match up front, but it's also a boxing match when that guy comes through with the football and he's got the football and he's as big as you are and he's got a running start. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. Bill Thompson.